Would you open God's precious holy word to John chapter 8. We've come to verse 21. It will be through verse 30 today. In John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus reached the pinnacle of his earthly ministry when he fed the multitude, counting the women and children, 20 to 25,000 people. A grand miracle from the hand of the Son of God, God in the flesh, who, as we studied in John 1, came out of his realm and eternal existence, accommodated himself to time and space, and then, after creating everything in the proper time, became a man and subjected himself even to the death of the cross. He's six months from the cross now, about six months. Previously, having fed the thousands, he proclaimed to them, I am the bread of life. He continued in his message that in John 6 that they would have to take him completely. His body would be given for them, his blood for them, and they would have to consume it for themselves or they wouldn't be saved. At that point, many people left him. It is against the fallen nature of people to think that help is needed for salvation or that one particular person is the Savior and there's no other way. From there to the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, for that week, on a particular time during the days of the week, the high priest would bring the golden pitcher of water from the pool of Siloam and he would pour it on the altar. And it was a commemoration of the water that came from the rock that would, had been struck. And that water followed them all the way to the promised land. And it was at that time Jesus preaching in the temple at the court of the women said to them with this illustration fresh on their mind, I am the living water. You take this water and living water will flow through you and from your belly. At the end of it then, in the court of women at the temple, where the treasury was, large crowds from all over the region because of the Feast of the Tabernacles for the Jews. The women would have filled the court of the women with candelabra, 
And their lighting these candles all over the court would have been like a sparkling diamond at night as the Feast of Tabernacles then was coming to a close. It was to remind them, it was a commemoration of the great pillar of fire that lighted the way for them, showed the way, and went before them all the way to the promised land. At the end of it all, they were to march around the altar seven times to commemorate the march around Jericho, which in itself was the proclamation of the people, our wanderings are over and we have come to the promised land. Thinking of that with those candles all over the place, the beautiful backdrop, Jesus preached and taught the people, I am the light of the world. You'll never be in darkness if you will follow me. So for that stretch of time, Jesus had presented himself to the people as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of his people. Now, we come to this part with all of that having just occurred. Then he said again to them, now this is the second time he said this, at least in our context. I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you are not enabled to come. We saw last time that Christ had been extending an invitation for the people to understand that there was nothing anyone could do to save himself. He could only be saved by coming in faith and believing in Jesus. It's the only way. This has been the message of Christ all along, but he has built up to this great and final crescendo of his most powerful, I guess, of invitations. Here's what he's saying. He is saying, you cannot determine your salvation. It's out of your hands. You cannot determine how, when, why. The word from heaven must come to you and the father must draw you to himself. Christ has already preached that. We already have seen it in the scripture. So here's this large block of people that we've already seen how they're divided over Jesus. And here's this large block of people who, are, who have been mocking him and continue to mock, mock him. Therefore, the Jews were saying, is he going to kill himself? Because he's saying, where I go, you're not able to come. In, in hardened unbelief, there is this large group of people within the division over Jesus who cannot be saved. That is a tragic thought. So fixed on themselves, so fixed on self-righteousness, 
so fixed in their own self-determinations and their own pride that Jesus has said to them, you think that you're going to come to me anytime that you want to. You think that you can come for your salvation according to your calendar, according to your power, and according to your way, and according to your definition, and according to your equation. But here's what I'm telling you. If you don't come, if you aren't called, you won't come at all. You can't come. You're not enabled to come. You're not able to come. Christ said, I'm going to tell you, you will seek me and you will die in your sin. That is the most tragic statement that a person can hear, especially from the lips of the one who made us who came as Savior and who will judge us. Jesus knows their hearts and so he speaks to a certain part of the multitude. You're going to want to come and seek me sometime. But you have your own design. You have your own self-imposed righteousness. You have your own extra-biblical, non-heavenly beliefs. You think that you can determine that you can come to me and be saved according to your power and your time and according to your definition and your way. Here's what Jesus said. I'll be gone and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you are not able to come. You don't have the ability. It is beyond your power. It is beyond your ability. Salvation is all of God and none of man. What a terrible, terrible, damnable doctrine it is that anybody in any way thinks that he has to assist God in his salvation. This is human works. This is works salvation and works cannot save you. There's nothing to save you. Only, only the father drawing us to the son can save us. It is a divine thing from heaven. We've already learned all of that in the previous, uh, previous scriptures that we've studied and seen. But Christ sees that it's necessary for the sake of the elect to tell the reprobate something that just falls off their Minds and like like water off of a duck's back. He says to them so that the others can especially hear, 
You haven't been enabled. You aren't able. You're clinging to the thought that you need to do something to save yourself in addition to what the Father has determined to do for the salvation of his own. And you are not able. And so they, they have no idea what he's saying. What's he going to do? Commit, commit suicide? Is he going to kill himself? Where I go, you're not able to come? As though they were thinking they're beyond suicide, whatever. The ones whom he addresses, those who are unbelievers, cannot receive the word. They can't. There's nothing, there's nothing within them unless God Almighty intervenes by grace. There's nothing within the fallen nature, not even among those who were supposed to be the greatest religionists in the world in that day. These were supposed to be God's people. They were supposed to be the, one who, the ones who knew God's word. There was nothing divine about it. You remember some chapters back, Jesus said to the chief teacher of Israel, he said, you have been raised to this high position of chief teacher and you don't know the things of which I speak. It follows here some chapters later, some time has passed and still there are those who when they hear the word of God from God himself, it's still meaningless to them. They have no idea of what he's saying. Christ here in the follow-up of the invitation that he, that he gave last, that we saw it last time, Christ is giving them teaching about certain things that will surely, that any, any one of these that we're going to be looking at, any one of these things will send a person to hell. And the first of those is, I can enable myself. I'll do the seeking. Paul writes to the Romans, no man seeks God. God seeks man. It's not in the nature of a fallen man to seek after God as a sinner for his salvation. The time may come and you'll think, I think I'm going to go and check Jesus out. If God doesn't call you to be saved, you will never be saved. But it didn't mean anything to them. They had no idea what he was saying. And they showed that in what their response was to his teaching. So the first thing is this, in no wit, in no way can a person save himself. Not even if you think that Jesus does 99%, but you have to add that 1%. 
That's a work. That doesn't happen. Can't happen. It's all of God and none of man. We come drawn by the Father, being given the gift of faith and the gift of repentance so that we come and Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Jesus says here, you're not able to come to me. You cannot enable yourself to come to Christ. Salvation is a thing from above. From above. It's a thing from heaven. Christ has already taught this. It is a heavenly thing of a divine origin. It cannot originate with me because before my salvation, before my regeneration, before the grace of God enables me, I am otherwise dead in trespass and sin and a dead person can't respond to anything. Not a thing. The next thing is this. If you don't believe Christ is who he said he was, you'll die in your sins. Look at this. He said to them, you're from below. I'm from above. You are of this world, cosmos, this world. The, the, the word up here uh, to cosmos, the, the world, the, the ordered structure of things, the natural structure of things. That would include the world system. The world rejects Christ. The world doesn't want Christ. The world doesn't want Christ as king. The world doesn't want Christ as savior. The world doesn't want the Bible, doesn't want the word of God, doesn't want the teaching of the word of God. The world is opposed to Christ. These people to whom he speaks, are part of a fallen structure. The cosmos, the world. You're here, but I'm not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am the one, you see it up here. Uh, in, uh, in the Greek, ego, I mean, I am he or I am. You can just leave it there. I am. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, who is the I am? Yahweh. Oh, great God. Elelion, God of Most High, Yahweh, Adonai, my master and sovereign Lord, the one who owns me, Elohim, the sovereign over all. He said that he is, I am. Jesus says, if you do not believe Ego Ami, That I am, you will die in your sins. When I am drawn to Christ, I am drawn to the Almighty God who has manifested Himself in this world in the person of Jesus Christ.
who will be revealed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is currently and presently my high priest. I cannot keep myself saved. As my high priest, he's keeping me saved. And he's coming again for me. He is very God of very God. If you have anything in a thought less than that of Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins. No man can save you. No ordinary man. Only the God man, only Christ, God the Son who according to the eternal purpose of God has become a man and at last through his death on the cross will redeem his own. He'll pay a price that I could have never paid. He will settle an account that I could have never settled. The debt is too great and it grows every day unless and except that I have a savior who settles the account for me. It's about as plain as it could be. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Very plain in the language. Now he's speaking to Jews. He's in the court of women. Gentiles can't get in there. So this is how it starts. The ones who should have known The characteristics of the great God should have been his people, his Old Testament people. So here they are, and their jobs were to receive him by faith and and then to go out into the world as a, a nation of priests and declare the truth to the world. And they failed miserably. They killed their Savior. If you do not believe that I am... You will die in your sins. It's in the masculine. So translators will say that it's understood. I am he or I am the one. But it stands on its own perfectly. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Makes it very clear. He He has taught the people many other times before this and has declared himself by the working of miracles that he is the Christ of God and then his words are true and certainly should be believed and accepted that he is the only savior that that there's no other way to be saved and tells them plainly that he is God who has come from heaven he is God the son the son of God and if you do not believe that I am You will die in your sins. Willful ignorance. Willful ignorance will cause a person to go to hell. Willful ignorance is what rests in all of our hearts unless and until by grace God intervenes and saves us, calls us. To the Son. Therefore they said to him, Who are you? What did he just say? Well, I know how he feels, (laughs) I guess. 
when you preach and people don't remember what you said, kind of hurts your feelings. Been, he's been telling them who he was for two and a half years, de- demonstrating by power, showing them who he was. But if you go back to Matthew's gospel, what were the people doing? The leaders of the Jews were saying, yeah, he's special. He has power, but his power comes from the devil. Now that's an unpardonable sin. Matthew 12. Can never be forgiven in this life or the next life. To attribute the work of Christ to Satan. To say, yes, Jesus did these things. Yes, Jesus said he was the son of God. Yes, Jesus was a great person. Yes, Jesus died on a cross. Yes, he was even raised again. But he's not God. Therefore, his power must have come from Satan. That's an unpardonable sin. Who are you? Jesus said to them, Where have you been? What have I been saying to you ever since I started teaching you? What have I demonstrated to you? What have you seen coming from the works of my hands? What I also said to you from the beginning, that's who I am. He called God his father, thus equating himself with deity. So he said to these people, I have many things concerning you to say and to judge. Someday you will stand before me and I will have many things to say to you when the books are open. And I will judge you. But the one having sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I say to the ordered structure of existence. The cosmos. The father is true. What I say is true. My demonstrations of power are true. They are from the one who has sent me. And if you, hear, if you heard it from me, I heard it first from him. And these things I'm not hiding. I'm saying to the structure of this fallen world, you know who I said I am. I've been saying it from the beginning. Now they understood that he was speaking to them about the Father. Therefore Jesus said to them, when you shall have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Six months from the cross. They will know They will be reminded of the Old Testament prophecies of the murder of the Christ, the death of the Christ. They will be reminded of how everything that is happening was foretold 
in their Old Testament scriptures. You will lift up the Son of Man. You will take Jesus of Nazareth and you will nail his body, his flesh, and you will, you will rip his flesh with nails and a spear and you will see his blood drained from him. It goes back to what Christ said. If you don't consume me flesh and blood, you have no part with me. Jesus says, the time's coming and then you will know that I am he and I do nothing from myself. Here's what he says. All of the miracles, all of the teaching, all of the sermons, all of the healings, all of the love, all of the call, calls to salve all of those things did not come just from Christ, but came from the Father through Christ. But as the Father taught me these things I speak, I don't say anything, I don't teach anything unless it comes from heaven and from the Father above. All of the words from Christ, it's the word of God. The appeal is the is an appeal that could only come from heaven. The warnings come from heaven, not from earth. Christ said earlier, you're from down here, I'm from up there. You're of this world, I am not of this world. So the things that are not of this world are coming through Christ so that the world may hear and be taught. And the one having sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Because I always do the things pleasing to him. The Christ rejection, the mockery, the conspiracies to kill him, all of the things that are said about it didn't matter. Doesn't matter. His mission was to please the father. And in everything that he said and in everything that he did, he pleased the Father. If you go all the way back to Isaiah 53, it pleased God to bruise him and to see his travail in his suffering. That pleased God. This was the payment for God's own. So I always do the things pleasing to him. Speaking these things of his, many believed in him. Many did not, but many did. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The message from heaven is clear. God so loves his own that he sent his son. So loves the world. In this way, God has so in this fashion loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so the work of the church is to seek the whoever's because the whoever's could not be whoever's 
unless God called them to be whoever's. We don't know who they are. God does. Maybe there's one here today. Maybe just one. Who is saying today, according to the divine timetable of God, today is the day of salvation. I am being drawn by the Father to the Son. And I know there is no way that I can be saved. In just a moment, we'll be dismissed. If you're here today and the Father is calling you to the Son, and you would come to Jesus for salvation. We have deacons and their wives in rooms right across the hall as you exit. They are there waiting for you to open the scriptures with you, to pray with you, to talk to you. That you may understand the glory of salvation and be saved. Maybe you're here, you've been saved and you know that the next right thing for you to do in obedience to the command of the Lord is to be baptized. We'll take care of all of those details if that's what God wants. And that's what God calls. And indeed he does call in his great commission for us to be obedient. So we'll take care of you. Talk to the deacons. We'll, we'll arrange that. Maybe you're here and you're coming from another church and you want to be a part of Shiloh. They're prepared to speak to you with that as well if that's what God's will is in your life. So now I want us please to be prayerfully dismissed from this service. Would you just prayerfully stand all over this, all over this uh, room?